0: Uh, Hi, my name is Gigi Green, and this is my relatively new travel podcast about Russia, my travels through it, its history, traditions, important holidays, sports, nature, education, everyday life, culture, films, TV, internet, and basically whatever the heck strikes my fancy about Russia, at least for the moment. This is my fourth episode, and the first episode that is about travel. Yay! It's called Mineral Waters of Caucasus or Caucasian Mineral Waters. That's the same thing. So, what the heck are Caucasian Mineral Waters? That's not Mineral Waters for White People. Rather, it's the most famous and popular Russian group of spa resort towns. It's in the south of Russia in Stavropolsky Krai. that's Stavropol State, And parts of neighboring states, Karachay Cherkessia and Kapartino Balkaria republics. Basically, it's on the northern slopes of the Caucasus Mountains, with Georgia, the country, not the state, obviously, very close, just south of the border. If you want to find it on Google Maps, you should look between the Black and Caspian Seas, and you will see the most famous and popular cities that make up the mineral water resorts. They are Kislavodsk, Pitygorsk, Ессентуки, Железноводск, and the town that is actually called Mineral Waters. mineral воды. But when you think about spa resort, you probably think about, or at least I think about, like, facials, massages, and aromatherapy or something. And I'm sure they do that stuff too, but a lot of people come there not just to relax, but for actual treatment. Like my mom does. Because mineral waters of Caucasus are actually medicinal. And drinking the water itself is completely free, by the way. You just come to the special place that is called a watering gallery or buvette if it's small. Uh, during the time it's open, schedule will be posted on the doors. You can bring your own cup or you can buy a plastic glass there for two rubbles, which is like uh, 0.032 US dollars. Uh, and drink as much as you want. There are more than 300 mineral springs concentrated in this area. The funny thing is that you can't drink mineral water all the time, because, as with all medicine, too much of it is actually bad for your health. That's why drinking water in the houses there is actually brought through the pipes from Stavropol. Anyway, for those who want some serious treatment, there are more than a hundred resorts that we call sanatoriums in all those towns and several dozens of thousands of people can stay there simultaneously. Each of the resorts has its own specialty. I'll talk about it later. Because I didn't go there for any of that, although I tried all the different kinds of water I could get my hands on, just because I could. But for me, the main attraction was and is nature. And nature is incredibly beautiful there. The Caucasus are some really picturesque mountains. By the way, the word Caucasian is totally derived from their name, and um, I'll save the racial issues for another time. So, this region of Russia is a specially protected natural area, and there is tons of stuff to protect. Gorgeous forests, rivers, waterfalls, lakes. Some of them are famous for Mizisnomad, the mineral water springs themselves and of course all sorts of mountains for every taste. You can go you can do some proper climbing there or in nearby regions, or there are smaller mountains which you can climb by yourself without any equipment. The highest mountain in Russia and at five thousand six hundred and forty two meters also in Europe is Ilbrus, and it is about two hundred kilometers away from the resort towns, so on sunny days, you can see it's two peaks clearly from a lot of places. And I saw Bruce on my last day from my window, which was a bit mind-blowing for me. Like, you get up in the morning, stretch, look out the window and see the highest mountain in Europe before you had your morning coffee. How cool is that? There are tons of excursions from any resort towns toward Bruce and all kinds of cool places like Tombai. That's a smaller mountain range in Karachevo, Cherkessia, with some epic mountain views and ski resorts, or Chigem waterfalls, or Blue Lakes. Normally the guys speak Russian, but I think you could check stuff out and find an English-speaking one, and you don't have to climb Elbrus or Dombay. There are cable cars there, but not to the top, of course, that would be cheating. Unfortunately, I couldn't get there this March during my trip because there was an avalanche on Elbrus. Not a major one, no one got hurt, just happens there in spring, I guess. And then the wind was too strong, so cable cars were not working. But I wasn't disappointed much because there still was so much stuff to see. I stayed in Kislovodsk. The name of the city literally translates as acidic waters, which I really didn't notice, by the way. You can find three types of mineral waters in watering galleries in Kislovodsk: Sulfate, dolomite, and sort of basic one. Don't really know how to translate it better. They are all uh, offered in hot and cold varieties, except for the last one. It's just cold. And I felt the effects of drinking that stuff after two days. Nothing bad, but be careful with it, I guess. Check in with the doctor, maybe, before you go. And if you feel like visiting doctors, Kislovodsk specializes in treatment of blood circulation problems and respiratory nervous systems. You need to go to a sanatorium for that, but you don't have to stay in one if you don't want to. There are plenty of places for rent and all manner of hotels. Kislovodsk is situated a bit higher than the rest of the nearby towns, and also it's the cleanest and the best maintained, in my opinion. It's very tidy, quiet, charming, and it's got a park to die for, you guys. And I know what I'm talking about, because I'm a park tourist. I visit parks and, or, forests everywhere I go. Kislovodský Korovna park, that's its full name in Russian, uh, was founded in 1823, and different types of evergreens were planted there, so that park looks good in any season. And tourists go to mineral water resorts all year round, by the way. And the on the pine trees, is... well, if you've ever been to a pine forest, you know what I mean. It's also very big. 968 hectares, which is 2,386 acres, I guess, of land with 24 kilometers of terrain curves. That's... Trails created for certain elevation levels specifically for the maximum health benefits from exercising to people who undergo treatment in the town. But, of course, everybody can walk them, and everybody does. Some people even run, which is harder than it sounds, because all the trails constantly go up and down the various slopes. When I was there in March, there were probably hundreds of athletes running everywhere in the park, Because a lot of different sport competitions are held in Kislavodsk and places nearby. There also are a lot of very beautiful tourist sites in that park. It's kind of hard to describe all the fun places there, because how people even do that in audio? Well, let's try. Uh, The main watering gallery, which is right at the entrance to the park, is called Narzanne, from Narzan, Uh, that's the name of those mineral waters. In almost the opposite corner of the park, there's a cable car from the ridge of one mountain to, the an- to another. They don't feel very high because you are already on the ridge, so they feel like hills. There are interesting red and grey rock formations, and the views from those rocks are so beautiful, you should climb all of them, especially because it's very easy. There is a small pond called Mirror Pond, uh, the grotto with the statue of a demon. There's a story behind that. but I will either tell it some other time or you just have to go there, find a guide and make them tell you. Now who's evil? <laughs> oh, fine. I'll leave some links in the show notes. Anyway, my favorite picture spot is the top of Sasnovaya Gora, the Pine Mountain. You can get to the top if you climb 400 steps. I did climb them, but I can't confirm that there are actually 400 of them. I lost count around 230, I'm afraid. But there's a life hack for you. You don't necessarily have to climb them, there's another way to the top, through gently sloping walking trails. You just have to take a photo of a park map at the entrance of the park and look for the tea house. That tea house is basically at the top of the ridge that ends with a pine mountain. And after you've enjoyed the view, you can descend the 400 steps, which also gives you quite a view and exercise. After you had enough of the park, which I can't imagine, but I'm just like that about the parks, uh, you can explore the town. All the touristy things are close to the park entrance anyway. Uh, The main street has some really interesting architecture, shops and cafes. Also, public baths and musical conservatory are worth checking out. And you should try a ride on a Ferris wheel. It is on the top of one of the hills, so the view is great. Lots of rich and famous Russian people have been coming to Kislovodsk and other local resorts since probably the late 18th century. So, there's a lot of history there. And also legends. Since tourists are the basis of local economy, and guides must make the show go on, there's a story and legend about every freaking stone and old building. But I wanted to concentrate on my travel, and not on the history, so this stuff will have to wait till some other time. Mm, Well, maybe I'll just tell you one legend now, but just one. It's about an eagle that's the symbol of Mirror Waters of Caucasus. So, many, many centuries ago... In a galaxy far, far away. Sorry, <clears throat> wrong legend. Uh, still, I'm guessing for some of your Russia is as good as in a galaxy far, far away. So, let's continue. The proud eagle was cruising the sky like a powerful, mighty bird of prey. That he is. And he got tired and decided to sit on a rock for a little while. But he didn't see the evil, poisonous snake that was hiding between the rocks. The legend says that the snake hated the eagle because he... In Russian, the eagle is a he because we have gendered pronouns. Never mind, moving on. He was free and could fly in the sky. So when the eagle sat down on the rock and she... And the snake in Russian is sheep. She beat him right in the center of his chest. Frankly, I don't think the snake was evil or jealous that flying dick probably just landed on her tail. In any case, the eagle knew he was a dead bird after that, but he used all his remaining strength to kill the unlucky beech with his claws and then, probably very dramatically and with the long-dying speech that would make Deadpool proud, fell down the mountain. But it was his lucky day, since he landed in the pool of mineral water and his wounds healed just because he laid in it for some time. Why did he drown? I've no idea, but soon. The proud and mighty bird sprang up from the pool and into the sky, and thus he became the symbol of mineral waters of Caucasus, and you can find an eagle's statue in every fucking town there, and also on all sorts of merchandise. And that's the end of a legend. Now, they will tell you that this shit happened here, right here, in every town, but the one with the most claims is Pitygorsk, which is uh, 50 minutes by train from Kislovodsk As if it didn't have enough of lore surrounding it already. <clears throat> you see, a very famous Russian poet whose work we still read at school, Mikhail Lermontov, got himself exiled to this place. You thought people were sent to Siberia in the olden Russian Empire days? Well, only if you were poor or did something very, very bad. If you were a rich boy and or well-connected one, they send you to the south of the country, which is like, how the fuck is that a punishment? Half the country would mind to be exiled there. Anyway, if that wasn't enough, he got himself killed in a duel in Pitigorsk. Over some petty nonsense that it happened, he was 27, and it was a great pity for Russian literature, they say. I don't like his work, because I'm not into romanticism much, and he seems like a spoiled brat to me and a jerk to women most of the time. But he could have grown up, I guess, and written something that I might actually enjoy. Who knows? Anyway. At least it gave the town a bunch of tourist attractions, and also, boy, was that guy lucky when it came to places. The estate of his grandma is not far from where I live, and it's so wonderful. It's no wonder that guy wrote some poetry. And he chose a place to die really well too. Petigorsk means Five Mountains, but the main mountain in that town is Mashuk. And that's where Lermontov met his end. And there's a forest, a view, a lovely monument, and everything. And it's not even too high up the mountain. I didn't go there on principle, though. And maybe because I did something quite stupid that day. Mm. You see, I planned to go to another town, but my legs were hurting from all the exploring, so I decided to go to Pitigorsk. There's a cable car to the top of Mount Mashuk, I told myself. It'll be no problem. And I indeed took that cable car to the top, and the view is stunning. And you absolutely should go there if you are ever around. But I didn't take the cable car down, because why would you take a cable car down? I told myself, you just have a nice walk and see some great views. It'll be no problem. I ended up walking more than 10 kilometers. And if I thought my legs hurt before, in the end I knew I was wrong. So... Another life hack. Take the cable car both ways. Go to the top, check out all the views with the tourist signs. Look at the Elbrus if you're lucky and it's sunny so it's visible. Go along the road in the opposite direction of the cable car for a bit. See a small trail up uh, to the side of the top, follow it, enjoy more views of a different mountain. Go back and go down by a cable car, because the road down isn't just long. It's all among the high trees, and you don't see anything apart from them, so unless it's doctor's orders, no point in going that way. It doesn't even save you much money, it's like six bucks if you take the return ticket. And there's loads of pretty things to see at the foot of the mountain. If you like those things, there's a really old and beautiful necropolis at the foot of Mashuk. Uh, There's Aeolian Harp, that's the stone pavilion in the classical style, and it Sings uh, but like really, it makes sounds. There was a musical instrument with strings uh inside it. the wind would blow, strings would react, and you could hear those beautiful sounds coming from the pavilion. But now it's just recorded audio. it's still hauntingly beautiful though, and the pavilion itself is on top of the cliff with a stunning view, so it's the best place to take photos, in my opinion. Very close, you can actually see it uh, from that pavilion. There is a park called Sweetnik Flower Garden. Uh, there is a bunch of interesting things to see there, and also if you walk straight by the road that leads from the place where Lermatov died, you will find yourself on Gagarin Boulevard, that leads to one of the most interesting tourist spots in Pitigorsk, Lake Praval. The boulevard itself is also interesting, but... <laughs> When I was there, it was mostly in terms of contrast. Uh, The boulevard looked freshly renovated, and there were lots of fairly new, ordinary looking sanatoriums, but really beautiful old ones all along the boulevard were... well, they had been renovated for quite some time, it seemed. There were broken windows. (sighs) And I hope it was just the timing on my part, though, and they'll fix it. Otherwise, it's... Really sad. Anyway, Lake Pravau. Its name is translated as a sinkhole, or a drop. And it's a lake that is inside a cave. The ceiling of the cave fell in probably centuries ago. And there's daylight inside, and an incredibly blue water instead of a the floor. There's hydrogen sulfide in the water, so it smells. But the color of the water is amazing. It's sort of white-blue, but it's not translucent. It looks as if it was painted on the white paper using pastels. The lake is 15 meters in diameter and 11 meters deep. The way to it was made through the side of the mountain, so it's very easy to reach. There's an icon on the other side of the lake, which is supposed to add mysteriousness to the place, I'm guessing. For me, the effect is spoiled by the bars that enclose the bit of a cliff you're standing on when you're near the lake. But considering how deep it is, I guess it makes sense. There's a statue to a famous Russian literary character, a stubbender, at the entrance of the cave, because he is connected to the place. To find out how, you might read the book called 12 Chairs by Ilfen Petrov, it's very funny. Or watch any of the movies with the same title. And also there are some hot springs and the water flows down the side of the mountain right opposite the entrance to the cave that leads to the lake. And the water there is warm. Some people even bathe right there. Visiting all that stuff I told you about is completely free, by the way, except for the cable car. There is also a cafe there and you can get on a bus that will get you to the railway station or to the center of the city, which mostly consists of uh, 19th century architecture. And it's very pretty. My legs and I, however, decided to spend the rest of our day in a cafe, and I only checked out several main streets. But keep in mind that the best cafes, restaurants, and nightlife is in Pitigorsk, because it's the biggest of the resort towns. And since the Caucasus are home to many nations apart from Russians, uh, there are plenty of restaurants that serve Georgian, Armenian, and other cuisines, and they are all amazing. The cuisines, I mean. I don't know precisely about the restaurants. Oh, and the sanatoriums in that place specialize on problems with nervous system, digestion, skin and gynecology. But the most famous mineral water in Russia that you could buy in shops in literally any town or city is bottled in another pretty little place. It's called Ysintu and it's 20 minutes by train from Kislovodsk. The name of that place doesn't really translate from Russian, because the word itself isn't Russian. Some say it's the name of the khan who lived in this place, others say it's BS. Anyway, for most Russians, the name Yisintuki is firmly associated with the numbers 4 and 17. Those are the serial numbers of the most famous mineral springs. Uh, the water from those springs is good for your digestive system, especially liver and pancreas and when you have problems with your metabolism. And sanatoriums in this resort specialize in precisely that. I drank number four in the watching gallery in, in the keys, so basically fresh from under the underground, well, or as fresh as it gets. And it truly is very similar in taste to what you get from a waterhole. What can you see in the town itself? Well, as usual, there's interesting 19th century architecture, a victory park, a huge watering hole, I guess called Пититысячник, 5,000, because 5,000 people can be there simultaneously, and my favorite part, Курортный Park, 3-minute walk away from the railway, railway station. It's smaller than others I talked about, but it has fountains, interesting old buildings, fake ancient pavilions, and all kind of stuff that a park created in the 19th century has. And a public bathhouse that you can visit and bathe some mineral water because it's good for your health or just for fun. Talking about immersing yourself in mineral waters. There's a super cool place 20 minutes away from Isintuki by bus. It's called suvorovsky горячие источники – Suvorov hot springs. It's, well, exactly what it sounds like. Pools, artificial, not natural, with hot mineral water in them uh, that you can immerse yourself in. You can swim there, but you really shouldn't, the water is too hot for that. It will be extra stress for your blood vessels and heart. There are two public bathhouses there. The one with the blue roof is smaller, but it's cozier. The one with the brown roof is more modern and amenities are better, but there's always a crowd there. You have to pay an entrance fee, it's slightly less than 6 US dollars. In both places, uh, you can bring your own stuff like towel, flip-flops, and, of course, swimsuit. Or you can buy stuff there. Pro tip, bring a hat to wear after you leave the place. Your hair will be damp even if you don't wash it afterwards. So, without it, you might catch a cold. I was in the blue roof one. Uh, They have three pools with hot water and a kiddie pool. Water in the indoor pool is about 43-45 uh, degrees Celsius around uh, 113 Fahrenheit. In the first outdoor pool it's 40 degrees, 104 Fahrenheit, and in the second outdoor pool about 37 degrees. So basically your body temperature. When you pay an entrance fee, it's can imply that you have to you have about an hour for everything including shower and dressing. It doesn't sound like much, but trust me, it's enough. That hot mineral water is heady stuff. You can't stay in it for too long. And frankly, it felt like time slowed down while I was there, because I felt so relaxed, as if I suddenly reached nirvana or something. If you feel like you can't take it anymore, you can go buy yourself some herbal tea and pastries that they sell in the bathhouse. Uh, I've got several tips about that hot springs. First, you can and should go there in cool and even cold weather. It feels much better in the pools when you can always cool off just by getting out. Second, uh, there are many excursions to that place, but I think it's better to go there on your own. It's cheaper and you can go in the morning and beat the crowds. Oh, consider it another tip. Don't go there in the afternoon. There will be way too many people there. How do you get there by yourself? Uh, you take a train, short-distance commuter train. Uh, they are called elektrichka because they use electrical power. That's the train you will always use when traveling between mineral water resorts. You travel to the Šentjur Rail, railway station, get off, cross the road, and you will see the bus stop. Find a small bus that says Suvorovsky Stoljni half an hour and less than a US dollar, and you're there. And um, if you go by yourself, you can stay more than an hour if you feel like it. The last town I wanted to tell you about is Железноводск. The name is translated as Iron Water. Actually, I can't say much about the town because I've seen very little of it. As usual, I went straight to the park and the day was so cold and the park is so high on the mountains. That I froze my butt off and decided to leave the town for some other time, but I can tell you it's nestled in the mountain valley and it's really picturesque. Zheznovodsk is hardest to reach because you can't just go there by the commuter train, it's on a different line. So you take a train to Bishtau station, that's the name of the nearby mountain, which is worth a climb by the way, There you will either see or have to wait for the bus, which will take you into the city. Uh, It takes 10 minute stops, but save your walking powers for the park. It's about 70 hectare, or 173 acres, and it's the only one that wasn't planted. It was just a forest on the sides of two mountains. And in the beginning of the 19th century, when the park was created, the alleys were just cut through that forest and it shows the trees are higher and it looks a bit more wild i loved it actually competitions in sports orienteering interior i usually held there uh, there are fountains very pretty pushkin gallery and the palace of emir of Bukhara. for real it was built for emir in the beginning of the 20th century i think but he died before it was finished so his son offered it to the town as a gift also, of course, there are plenty of walking trails and, again, of course, mineral springs. My two favorite types of mineral water can actually be found in this place. They are slavyanovskaya and Smirnovskaya. They are good for digestive system and metabolism, and that's what they treat mostly in this place. Also, you don't smell any hydrogen sulfide in them, which is always a plus as far as I'm concerned. Although, it could be that they are my favorite because they are both hot, and since I was there on a really cold day, it felt like drinking hot tea. And I love hot tea on cold days. I think that's about it. About the resort towns, I mean. I really will post pictures of all of this stuff on my Instagram, because I think it's easier to see it once than hear a thousand times. Yeah. Those places are gorgeous and often stunning but there is a but they are very much for inner tourists not because someone will stop you from coming but these are russian provincial towns so there are very few signs in english and not that many people speak or understand it so plan ahead download some maps and upload russian into your google translator and practice pantomime (laughs) how do you get there uh, there is a big airport in Mineralnye Water, mineral waters. Flying from Moscow and St. Petersburg should be, if not cheap, then not super expensive, because there are a lot of flights. Flying from other cities would be more expensive. My favorite option is sleeper trains, and I will tell you all, or at least a lot, about them in the next episode. And now it's time for the segment, how do you say it in Russian? This time I'll go with some simple stuff. This time I'll go with some simple stuff. Hello, hi, uh, good morning, good afternoon and good evening. Hello sounds like здравствуйте. Здраствуйте. A lot of consonants in that one. So you could try a less formal sounding but still recognizable здравствуйте. Здрасте. Здрасте. That's not an official short form, that's just how a lot of Russian-speaking people pronounce it. Hi is a bit easier. It's Privet Privet. But it's informal. So you would use it to greet friends, people you know, and someone close to you in age or younger. Maybe personnel in a hostel or in a hipster cafe or McDonald's. It wouldn't sound good in some formal situations and places. It will look as if you're acting overly familiar or flippant. You can avoid it by using good morning. Доброе утро. Доброе утро. Good afternoon. Добрый день. Добрый день. Notice that the ending of the word добрый has changed. And good evening. Добрый Vecher. Dobry Vecher. Hope that was easier to understand that the happy birthday thing from the last episode. But if you have questions, you can always write to me at g uh, at gmail.com or on Instagram at greenily, that's G-R-E-E-N-N-I-L-Y. There's also a podcast site, G in one word, without capitals or spaces, and I'm working on it. Oh, it's the third time I forget to say that each and every one of my episodes has a transcript. Uh, you can find it at journeys2gg.com, along with some links and photos. If you like my podcast, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor FM, or wherever you get your podcast fix, and please leave reviews, because they make me very happy in my frozen tundra with only bears and vodka for company. <laughs> Till next time, yours, Gigi, from Russia with love.